You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone, welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse, along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland on a chilly January Saturday. But there certainly are some good things on the horizon. Spring training a little bit more than a month away. In fact, the reporting dates are less than a month away now as pitchers and catchers and those participating in the World Baseball Classic could be reporting in less than a month with the first game, and we will have it for you on the Cleveland Guardians radio network on Saturday, February the 25th against the Cincinnati Reds. So it's not that far away before we start bringing you spring training baseball on the radio. So it should be a lot of fun. Good show lined up for you today in the second half of our show. And we're going to give you the option of, of making it an interactive show today. The second half of the program, we will hear from the president of business operations for the Guardians, Brian Barron, and he will fill us in on the announcement earlier this week, the unveiling of the official timeline and what's going to happen in terms of major renovations to Progressive Field. And if you want to follow along and see the video that really illustrates very well what the ballpark will look like starting in the 2025 season, just go to the website. The Guardians website is cleguardians.com, and it's right there on the front page. About a five-minute video that you can follow along when we're talking with Brian Barron, and you can see some of the great changes and improvements that will be made to the ballpark. And again, those will take place over a a two- to three-year period, but hopefully by opening day 2025, everything will be complete and ready to go. We'll also visit with Andy Tracy, who has been the AAA manager at Columbus the past several seasons. And this year, he had the great fortune of sending 17 different players to the major leagues for the first time. And as exciting as it is for those players, don't think it's not a special time for a AAA manager as well to be able to tell a young man that they are heading to the big leagues for the first time. And we're set to go for our show today. When we come back, we'll hear from Andy Tracy. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Our first guest is Columbus manager Andy Tracy, who just completed his third season as the manager of the AAA Clippers and had the good fortune to uh, tell 17 different players that they would be going to the major leagues for the first time. And that was a, a big theme of this year's success at the major league level. And certainly at that upper level of the minor league system, the Guardians in great hands with Andy Tracy, who has been a minor league coach or manager since the 2012 season, and that followed a 16-year professional playing career that included parts of five major league seasons with Montreal, Colorado, and Philadelphia. When we had a chance to catch up with him recently, he talked about how special it is to be able to send a player to the major leagues for the first time. And in regards to 17 in one season, well, he says that's a great reflection on the organization as a whole. Yeah, it was an interesting year, obviously, and it's a compliment to our whole player development staff because it's you know a lot of those guys have come up quick through the system and uh got to us in columbus and continued on to cleveland this year but i think it's a compliment to everybody in player development from leadership to coordinators to staff members and then obviously scouts did a really good job of, of getting really good young players and trusting us to develop them as a whole group and then continue them on and send them to tito and the boys and and hopefully they can uh, continue to grow up there while they when they're at the big league team. And and as that starts to develop, and more and more players end up going up and making their debuts, uh, does that kind of feed on itself a little bit for the the players who remain? From the standpoint of of hey, you know this this could be me at some point in time. Yeah, I mean as you know, Triple um, A is an interesting level. They, there might be a. 12, 24 hour period where they're a little disappointed, not getting the call up and maybe have some questions, but then having the opportunity to have conversations with staff members and just explain like, this is a really good thing. Like we're promoting from within and we trust our, our development staff and uh, let's continue to grind here in AAA and, and accomplish your goals and what we want to accomplish as a, as a player and, and partner with those guys. And then you may be the next guy up because they're going to, the Guardians are going to call up from within, and that's what um, we love to do in our in our system. I know at the trade deadline, and maybe it kind of goes along these lines, uh, that decision was made, and unless something really, really attractive came across, uh, the Guardians are going to stick with, with the organizational players, the players that they had developed and, and young players, uh, and players seemed excited about that. Did that filter down to – to the AAA level at all from that standpoint of, of maybe there would be opportunities after the trade deadline as well? I mean, you you know just as well as I do, we trust our leadership group at the big leagues. And when they make statements like that, I think our players trust them and they look forward to the opportunity to help that big league club. So they were excited that, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're excited that there wasn't any big trades. Um, 
they know they will get the opportunity to go up there. And uh, when when you see that and you see the commitment and the trust that our leadership group and the major league staff has in young players, it's really important for the morale and the culture at AAA. Andy, let's face it. Look, we wanted to have you on because not only to talk about what we just did, but each player that called up, and it wasn't 100%, but most of them uh, – it's just a great day when they arrive and, and they're making their major league debut. All had a story about how they were told by you in most cases that they were going to the big leagues for the first time. And and none of these was just, hey, you're going to the big leagues for the first time. <laughs> there was some creativity involved. And uh, is that by design on your part to, to just spice things up a little bit? Yeah, I just think make a memorable experience. Just don't call them in and sit them down and congratulations and, and move them on. It's just give them something um, to remember by. I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of those guys, I mean, looked at me like they wanted to rip my head off because they thought they were getting in trouble or something, but uh, it turned really quick. And then you sit back and, and you have the, the position coach in there with you usually so they can enjoy the call up with you. And, just let them have the moment and sit back and let them react to it and, and don't say anything. And it's uh, it's a, it's a special thing getting called up to the big leagues the first time because it's everything culminating your whole life because that's what you've wanted to do. So, I, I think the one that that I, I can remember most offhand was Tyler Freeman. Uh, <laughs> I think he he said he you pulled him in because he he had made a base running blunder something along those lines. If you can. If you remember yeah. all these, I know there are a bunch at that 17 or so. Uh, maybe fill us in on, on what you did with Tyler to, to kind of put him back a little bit before you told him. Yeah, so obviously there's consistent conversation between the major league staff and, and leadership group and front office up there. So we talked prior to the game, getting Tyler some at-bats, probably playing five innings, uh, getting to a place where I'm comfortable getting them out of the game where there might not be you know, something weird that happens. So I think it was the fourth or fifth. He hit a little uh, bleeder down the right field line. Guy went first to third. Uh, if I remember correctly, Tyler rounded first and did get the second. And, you know, at that point, uh, I knew he was coming out. So I was sending the pinch, pinch runner out, I think. Or I, maybe I sent him out for defense. And then he came in. I went up to him. I said, hey, man. You know, we set a precedence here uh, in the major leagues and, and, and in our organization to run down the base. Pass. I didn't think that you gave 100% down the line. And he kind of, if you guys know Tyler Freeman, he does everything with effort and energy. So he kind of looks at me, really nice kid. And I think he wanted to say a lot of bad words to me at that point, but he held off and uh, he goes, okay, whatever you want. And I said, okay, go up and grab your stuff and and get packed for Cleveland. He goes, what? And then that's when we told him. But uh, I think that was the only time when Tyler wanted to kind of curse me out. Um, and it was an interesting uh, dynamic there, but it was it was pretty cool. Hopefully he enjoyed it. How do you keep a straight face during the, during those times? I mean, in the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been, that was a good one because I got, a, I got a long time to prepare for that prior to the game. So um, the tough ones are when you get the late night call, and you got to get somebody moving quickly. But uh, that was really good that I thought Tyler was going to unload on me. So that was, uh, it was funny. How much do those players, um, one of the things that you find out is, especially with where, where Columbus is located, and the same really with Akron and Lake County, 
they watch the Guardians games. They are mm-hmm. fully aware of what's going on. Uh, how much are, are you aware that they are aware of everything that's happening, whether it be an injury or performance, things like that, that could lead to a, a potential player move? Oh, they're aware of it. I mean, before, I mean, they're watching the game. They got social media. They understand what's going on. You know, it's a whole different uh, time than, than when I was a, a player. But uh, they watch every game. I mean, they communicate that group. It's a, it's a young group, and they came up together. So there's communication from big league players down to, to the AAA, AA guys. So they're in communications with those guys. I think that's one thing our organization does and the major league players do that are up there. That They continue to have conversations with their buddies and their teammates that are at the lower levels, which is a special thing for our organization. And that's kind of what we all have tried to create PD and in the major leagues is a special culture where guys are comfortable so that they can play their best uh, to the best of their ability when they get to that spot. You know, you mentioned that and, and, and you alluded to it earlier, how AAA can be a, a really tricky level. Um, and part of it is a, a lot of teams have some older veteran players, and I know the game is changing a little bit along those lines, but that was a common theme among players who were called up. They felt comfortable here because they saw teammates they had, that they had come up with. Uh, and as you try and build that culture and be a part of that group that does that, what are some of the keys to, to being able to, to teach winning baseball so that when they get to this level, uh, the major league level, that they're able to continue that? Well, one, I think it's a credit to Tito and his staff that they create an environment like that in the major leagues. And that's a tough clubhouse to come into in the big league clubhouse uh, back in the day a little bit. Uh, you're walking in with a lot of veterans and superstars, so they create a great environment for that. Secondly, I think that our player development staff, domain coaches, coordinators, leadership do a really good job of partnering with the player, giving them a chance to hear their voice and see where they are in their development so that they're comfortable with the direction they're going. And that becomes holistic when they're all in the clubhouse and on the bench together, pulling for each other and knowing that everybody has the best interest for them uh, going forward. And, and I know that being around the group of guys that have come up from Rugi and double a and everybody throughout our system, they continue to grow, but they continue to pull as a group and a team for each other. And that's a special thing. And hopefully we continue to do that and we develop. And so we then get to Tito and, and continue to get to the playoffs and win a world title. Andy Tracy joining us did a great job with the Columbus Clippers this year, once again, at, at the AAA level. And Andy, we've been talking about call-ups and, and some of the things you do to make that a special time for a player, that first call-up. We go back to 2000. You had a, a lengthy professional career with some big league time, and uh, that first major league time came with Montreal back in April of 2000. You were playing at the AAA level in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, what do you remember about, about the night that, or the day that, that you were told, hey, you're going to the major leagues for the first time? Well, that's a long time ago with two teams that don't even exist anymore. So <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> Ottawa, we get done. Great city. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but uh, really good city. Uh, lots to do. Uh, capital there. So obviously went out with some of my teammates. I, I think it's like 1.30 in the morning. Get a call from Coxie, our manager, and I was like, I got to step outside. I can't hear you. So this story is not, you know, <laughs> it's pretty funny just because I got to step outside. I'm telling the manager, I can't hear you. I'm at, I'm at a bar or a club or whatever. And uh, Coxie's just eye laugh. And then he ends up like 
lighting into me a little bit um, and then telling me I'm going up tomorrow. So uh, it's a good story. Uh, got to go back in probably for last call for to celebrate at last call and then get out of there and get ready to go to Montreal. Hey, you mentioned that, and, and you'd mentioned earlier, sometimes AAA can be a tricky level. Um, so you're out there with your teammates. What was their reaction to you going up um, in what sometimes can be a, a tricky spot? I felt like they were uh, happy for me. I felt like uh, they were kind of – Montreal was kind of a group like Cleveland. It was a bunch of young guys moving up through the system together. Uh, we were all pulling for each other and going up. Obviously, we didn't make the playoffs – like the guardians do, but uh, it was a group of players where we developed from within and we moved fast through the system. A lot of us probably got there a little sooner than we, we should have been there, but uh, we didn't know that at the time, looking back on it, you kind of uh, reevaluate that, but uh, you know, it was a really good group. Young guys move up fast and it's, you know, it reminds me of kind of what we're doing here, um, but winning on the backside of it. And I saw that you had a base hit, pinch hit for your first major league hit. Was was that the first day you were in the big leagues? And, and how did that go when, when you arrived and, and finally got a chance to play? You know, I think it was the first day. I really can't remember, but I remember it was like first pitch. I'm going to go up there. It was Julian Tavares, uh, base hit up the middle. Um, tried to get, get the jitters out of me as quick as I could, get something out over the plate, but um, – I think we were playing in front of what seventy five hundred, eight thousand in Montreal for that big game. So, but it was, uh, it felt like it felt like a hundred thousand for my first at bat, you know. So it was, it was great. Colorado Rockies was the opponent. Big rivalry game, Montreal and Colorado. <laughs> Huge rivalry in April. I'm sure. That, yeah. I'm sure they were focused on the NHL playoffs at that point. At least uh, it was in a dome. There you go. Montreal. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Andy, thanks for coming by. And listen, uh, tremendous year. Obviously, um, a lot of credit to you for the way the players who came up were just seemed f- fully prepared or as prepared as you can be in that situation uh, to contribute to a team that, that really had a tremendous year at the major league level. So certainly a tip of the cap to you and your staff. Thank you. We appreciate it. That's last year's AAA manager, Andy Tracy, talking about uh, a great season uh, for sending players to the major leagues and helping at the big league level, and, and also some fun stories about his career, too. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as we'll get you filled in on all the changes coming to Progressive Field. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Don't go away, folks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Boy, what a night. What a night. 77 degrees. Love to battle this night 
be able to save it for November, December, January, February, and March. That ought to work. <laughs> Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland in its current state, which it won't be much longer. As earlier this week, the Guardians announced a reimagined Progressive Field about a three-year project getting ready to begin that should be completed in time for the 2025 season. Sweeping changes to the fan experience, some things with infrastructure happening as well. Brian Barron is the president of business operations for the Guardians. And as we talk to Brian, you can follow along the video and see those changes, the projected changes, and all the renderings at cleguardians.com. That video, about five minutes long, is right there on the front page, cleguardians.com. And when we talked to Brian about the changes from a fan standpoint, he says, really, the changes in the way fans watch sporting events in person, that's driving a lot of what's coming up here at Progressive Field. That social aspect has changed quite a bit over the years. Uh, you know, as, as older people, and, and you and I, Rosie, in, in uh, the older crowd, we grew up in an era where, you know, going to a Major League Baseball game in, in the 1970s was sitting in a seat that folds down. You may have had a, a scorecard, you know, with, with your dad, your mom, and, and you're your tracking and, and scoring the game. Um, today, fans want to have the option to get up and move around. They like these spaces that may not confine them to a seat. If they have a seat, they'd like to go to an area where they can socialize and interact uh, whenever they want. And for some areas, and the corner bar being you know, the most recent success story for us seven or eight years ago, designed based on the insight that when you buy an SRO, standing room only ticket for the corner bar, you don't have a seat. And you're going to watch the game standing at a drink rail and or going back into the corner bar where there's plenty of TVs to watch the game. But in those instances, you may actually have your back to the field. You're there because you want to be in the ballpark, you like the energy and the excitement, and you want to be with your friends and have the flexibility to move around and talk to different folks, which is more difficult when you're sitting in a row of seven or eight seats. So the corner bar is already spoken for, and, and down in the left field corner, there's another standing room area. Uh, this most recent set of, of drawings and renderings seem to show a couple of different spots where you're going to expand on that. Explain where where they'll see it and what it'll look like. The majority of those spaces are going to be in the upper deck. And the upper deck, uh, with the exception of the shipping containers in right field, hasn't been touched since the ballpark was originally built. So finding ways in the upper deck to carve out spaces so that fans actually can see the field have great panoramic views of a ball game on the field in one direction and then turn and look and see the skyline of Cleveland or see the river uh, or look into uh, the eastern side of Cleveland towards uh, Cleveland State. Those are, are spaces that will be designed where folks can interact and, and do things socially that are more similar to what we have in the corner bar. And that's exciting. The, the, the value of, of those tickets and those uh, spaces will be very similar to what we have in the upper deck today, which would be uh, a, a better value from a dollars and cents just for the, the product itself than perhaps sitting down in, in the lower bowl or an SRO. 
was this a blank canvas or or did you look at some other ballparks did the design group kind of get some ideas from different ballparks that have already had a chance to implement this one of the great things about the business of baseball is uh, for all the right reasons you can collaborate very openly with with other teams as it relates to the ballpark and and the business um, on the baseball operations side that's obviously very different they're competing you know against one another to win games and and working players and drafting and developing that's a different animal um, we we did spend quite a bit of time reaching out to other teams and over the course of the last couple of years would opportunistically look for chances to go uh, to ballparks when the team was on the road playing in a certain place so that we could better understand what certain teams had done and how they had done it. A few examples that stand out for me are a few years ago, uh, oftentimes we go on corporate partner trips and we spend time with you and Tom Hamilton and, and others while we're there. Uh, we went to Colorado and they've done some terrific things in their upper deck. Um, they, they have some, they call rooftop bar concepts that are open spaces, standing room only, a lot of social interaction with great food and beverage options in their upper deck. Um, that was some of the inspiration for us actually for the corner bar when it came to designing a space that didn't necessarily have a seat assigned to it. Um, the success of the corner bar for now, for us now, takes us back to uh, taking the concept to the upper deck. So they're a team we've spent some time with. Um, spent some time with uh, the Cincinnati Reds over the last couple of years, looking at some of the different spaces that they've designed and, and built. Um, spent some time anytime we go to another ballpark to better understand um, some of the dugout club concepts. As we look across the league, uh, Cleveland is actually a laggard as it relates to having a product like a, a dugout club where fans that are sitting in seats like we have today um, the green fold-down seats behind home plate not the dugout suites have an opportunity most often to go down underground and have an F&B experience down there that's unique to folks sitting in those seats you can't see the field but you can get out of the sun if it's a day game um, you've got a place where you can interact with, with other fans and grab a bite in between innings, and your lines and your waits for restrooms and concessions are, are much uh, shorter. So we've seen that in, in many ballparks, Kansas City, uh, St. Louis. Um, spent a lot of time with the Chicago Cubs uh, a, a few years ago with Crane Kenny. Uh, and Crane, uh, who's my counterpart with the Cubs, had his team walk us around many of the renovations that were done at Wrigley Field over the course of the last couple of years. You've certainly seen them and experienced them first, uh, firsthand. Um, we, we took a lot of the learning in areas and spaces where the, the Cubs maintain the integrity and all the great things about Wrigley Field, but found ways to modernize on, you know, I call it the bones of the old ballpark. And looking at some of the concepts and the ways they approach that space um, has helped us shape how we're thinking about different areas in our ballpark. Brian Barron joining us. He's the president of business operations for the Guardians, joining us on Guardians Weekly. And uh, when will fans be able to enjoy some of these renovations that, that you're talking about? So we would anticipate fans will be able to enjoy some of the renovations on opening day of 2024 and the next round of the big renovations that we just walked through today would be completed by opening day of 2025. So the way the process, process works, Rosie, is a lot of the planning 
to get ready to deconstruct, you know, swing hammers and jackhammer concrete. That'll take place right after the last out of the 2023 season in preparation for opening day of 2024. Most likely the World Series, correct? Hopefully we're, we're, we're doing that in very late October. I, I haven't seen the calendar. It might be the first week of November, but you raise a good point. Um, we have in, in Northeast Ohio a pretty short window to get work done from a deconstruction standpoint outside in late October, November, before it gets cold here and things like pouring concrete get very difficult based on temperatures and other things that you've got to do. Outdoor work uh, is challenging, obviously, in, in the winter months here in Cleveland. So we'll maximize that window right after the last out before it gets too cold here in Northeast Ohio, you know, Thanksgiving, somewhere around there. Um, and if we do happen to get warmer weather in the spring, a, a nicer March leading up to opening day, there may be some things that we can do outdoors in those weeks. But th the biggest focus is right after the last out because we've had too many years where it's a little cold. You know, we have snow on opening day here in, in northeast Ohio. It's difficult to do things outdoors uh, or bank on the time that you would need to do outdoor work leading up to opening day. So our focus, once we complete things in late October, November, outdoors, would be being prepared to do anything that's indoors. Um, some of the spaces we talked about that were above the, the lower concourse where the clubhouses are and a lot of our storage uh, broadly for the ballpark and our food preparation are, you can go indoors anytime. And a lot of the massive uh, work that will take place in the banals of the ballpark. We'll, we'll, you can do that anytime after the last out and prior to the team getting back from, from uh, spring training. So you have literally up until opening day. So you alluded to some things going on inside, down underneath service level. Uh, so much of what we talked about so far has been what the fans are going to see and be able to enjoy. But I know Chris Antonetti and his group on the baseball side is very excited about some things that could happen clubhouse-wise. And, and what can you do there in the current configuration of this ballpark? That's a really important part. Uh, and as you highlighted, we spent a lot of time talking about the fan-facing components. Chris uh, alluded to Neil Huntington as, as someone who's helping run point on really what the clubhouses need to look like moving forward. Uh, our clubhouses haven't been touched since the ballpark was originally built. Uh, we want to make sure that the, the spaces and the places for Major League Baseball players to perform uh, at the highest levels are designed in a way that enable that to happen. You've certainly seen as you've been on, on the road in, in many different ballparks, uh, you know, things like eating areas for players uh, that are in or next to the clubhouse are really important. And players today, from a nutritional standpoint, um, are, are a little different than they were maybe 30, 40 years ago. Um, being able to prepare food, serve food, uh, where players can actually sit at a table and eat it is, uh, is an expectation in Major League Baseball. Um, we've been able to kind of cobble together solutions that are very short-term over the course of the last couple years in anticipation of having the opportunity to, to build those kinds of things out the right way. There are quite a few things from a biomechanical standpoint, from a physiological standpoint, that players need in order to perform 81 times during the regular season and uh, you know to compete in the postseason. And Neil Huntington 
um, working back through Mike Chernoff and, and Chris Antonetti is, is running point on what does that need to look and feel like uh, as, as we prepare the things that fans can't see. And the last thing I'd highlight there is a lot of the, the storage broadly for things that fans use and, and our players use takes place in the lower concourse. Um, the fans don't have access to the lower concourse. You know, you and I walk through there all the time. Um, a lot of the commissary and food preparation and storage, anything that the ballpark receives from a, you know, a semi-tractor trail backs in and it's, it's actually unloaded in that lower concourse. Those kinds of things need to ha- happen there. And the storage of, of a lot of the things that we need to run the ballpark uh, on a day-in, day-out basis that our concessionaire will need, uh, that is why we're building that East 9th Street building that will have food preparation, a kitchen, some commissary, and storage for the ballpark that will help us better serve our fans. One of the reasons we're designing and, and building that space is so that we can build a modernize or modernize our clubhouse so that our players can compete to their full potential. So in summary, Progressive Field Reimagined is, is more than just your run-of-the-mill fixer-upper. <laughs> it's definitely more than the run-of-the-mill fixer-upper, and we anticipate a lot of fun and exciting things. And, and from a fan standpoint, uh, you know, Tito, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, we got the best in baseball uh, leading our baseball operations. Uh, you know, they'll take care of what needs to happen on the field. Uh, the off-the-field experiences in the next two off-seasons will we'll put us in a position where we can say uh, with a straight face, if you haven't been to Progressive Field lately, you haven't been to Progressive Field, the ballpark truly will be uh, transformed over the course of the next two off-seasons. And there'll be lots of things to see and do uh, that'll be a lot of fun to talk about and experience. And hopefully we've got that coupled with weather uh, that, that works in our favor. We had more rainouts than any team in baseball, you know, in, in more than two decades this past year. Uh, and, and team performance is something that, uh, you know, with a young core, folks want to come out and see an exciting team play and, and enjoy time and, and an experience watching the game. It'll be fun to follow the transformation of the progress for sure. Brian Barron, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you very much, Rosie. That's Brian Barron, the Guardian's president of business operations. Stay tuned. We'll have our final segment of Guardians Weekly after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Next week, we take our show on the road. We'll be at the Huntington Convention Center as part of Guards Fest, a live show next week. And uh, we hope you can stop by and say hello. And uh, we'll be right there front and center somewhere in the Huntington Convention Center. So stop on by and say hi. But uh, we're excited to be there for Guards Fest as Finally, a fan fest returns for the Guardians in the offseason after a two-year hiatus, and it should be a lot of fun. A good portion of the 2023 roster will be participating, along with coaches and alums. The alumni roster will be uh, featuring Charlie Nagy, a good friend to the, the broadcast crew, Sam McDowell, Paul Ossenmacher, and Brian Anderson will be there as well. And, uh, of course, Terry Francona will be there, along with pitching coach Carl Willis and hitting coach Chris Faleka, but so many great things going on as part of Guards Fest, and you can be a part of it. Pick up your tickets in advance if you can, as uh, they're starting to really move now as we get closer. It's next Saturday. The morning is the season ticket holder portion, and then the afternoon, it opens up to the general public. All kinds of fun things happening, including autograph opportunities, Gold Glove photo opportunities were four Gold Glove winners, so you can be a part of that too. There'll be player appearances and more on the main stage. Of course, that big wiffle ball diamond will be right in the center of the convention center, and uh, you can be sure that many of the Guardians players will be participating with the kids as well. And new to Guards Fest this year, this is a cool one, Andres Jimenez, who likes to dabble in art in his free time, he'll be joined by Jonathan Hrozovsky and the Herzowski Custom Kicks Collection to hold a cleat design competition. Fans can submit a custom cleat design for Andres during Guards Fest, and the winner will have the design replicated by Herzowski Custom Kicks for Andres Jimenez to wear during 2023 spring training. Just one of the many things that makes Guard Fest a lot of fun, and we're happy to be a part of it, as we'll have again our show live next week, late Saturday afternoon at uh, the Guards the Guards Fest stage set, where uh, we'll be, along with our friends at the flagship station, WTAM, and, of course, our, our buddies over at Valley's uh, Sports, Great Lakes. They'll be there, too, with some programming. So it should be a, a great day. Go to cleguardians.com slash guardsfest, and that's where you can pick up your tickets and see all the different options for, for what you can do and be a part of. That's going to do it for our show this week. Thanks, as always, to Brian Matze for all of his help in putting together the show. Until next week, when we see you at Guards Fest, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Thanks for being a part of it. So long, everybody. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.